listeners of Homeopathy for Mommies. This is Felice Gerwitz, and I'm the founder and director of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network and the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network, as well as a podcaster. My show is Vintage Homeschool Moms, and I'd love to share my insights, tips, and sometimes humorous take on life as a homeschool mom with all of you. I'd love to have you tune in after you've listened to this wonderful broadcast. And while you're at it, head over to iTunes and be sure to give this podcast a star rating. Share it on social media or in an email with your friends. And then head over to Vintage Homeschool Moms and join me there. I look forward to connecting with you. And please come over and see all our great shows on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network, as well as the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Thanks and God bless. Welcome to the Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Your host, Sue Meyer, is a Catholic wife and homeschool mom of 11. She shares her knowledge of the study of natural alternative medicine with you. While this show is not intended to diagnose or name any disease, through her experience, Sue will share helpful information to help you further your study into the amazing world of homeopathy. And now, here's your host, Sue Meyer. Hello, and welcome to Homeopathy for Mommies. This is Sue Meyer. Today, we're actually going to talk about a single remedy. Aha, how much fun is that going to be, right? No, this is a remedy that everyone should know something about, belladonna. Belladonna, as you've heard me talk about it over and over again, is probably one of the single most important remedies to have in your first aid kit. When my son was eight years old, he came down with meningitis-like symptoms. And I know it was meningitis-like symptoms because five years prior, I actually had meningitis myself. It was a bacterial meningitis because I had so... um, it's too embarrassing to say out loud, but I actually stuck myself in the eyeball with my mascara brush. Well, you know how it is. You're quickly putting on your makeup, and the kids are tugging at your legs, and you turn around to say something to them, and I actually just jabbed myself. It was just the tiniest little scratch on my eyeball. Well, my eye became very infected. I ended up going to the eye doctor the first time and only time in my life I ever went to an eye doctor. And he said, oh, you have an infection. We'll give you some drops and you'll feel better. So sure enough, he gave me drops and I got better. But two months later, I came down with bacterial meningitis. So in other words, what had happened is that bacteria had actually entered the eye through that open wound, which all bacterial type infections do. They have to open through it uh, like an injection site, a wound, or something like that. Like I say, that's how bacterial infections get into our body. We can actually ingest it, or we can inhale it, but it has to go in through an orifice, mucous membranes, open wounds, scratches, things like that. Anyway, so I came down with this bacterial meningitis, and I was in the hospital for five days, quarantined on strong antibiotics, after the spinal tap, whatnot, confirmed this bacterial meningitis. It was a lot of fun, right? (laughs) That was before I understood homeopathy, folks, okay? Anyway, five years later, I was just learning a little bit about homeopathy when my son came down with these same exact symptoms. Mommy, I can't move my head. I don't feel good. Close the windows. He couldn't stand the light from the, the shades. And I called my homeopath, who had just introduced me to this wonderful world of not running to the doctor. And I told him what I thought was going on with my son. And he said, you get that kid to a doctor right now. And I said, no. I said, they'll just quarantine him. And that's not going to happen to my eight-year-old son. And he said, 
Sue, I don't want to deal with this. Please take the child in. And I said, either you tell me what to give him or I'll find someone who will. Oh, fine, he said. Belladonna. I said, oh, I don't have that remedy. And he said, well, he he told me of a person that did have it. So I called that person. They ran the remedy over to me. And it was Belladonna 30X. I gave it to my son, who at that moment, his fever was 101.5. And I had him on the sofa. I gave him the remedy. And like I said, he was very, very ill. He just... He, would, he didn't want to move. He kept his eyes covered. He kept his ears covered. He didn't want anybody to talk loud. And what, is all, what are all the symptoms? Anytime someone is highly sensitive to noise, light, external stimuli, that's a sign of brain inflammation. So I gave him the remedy, and my, my sister was with me, and we sat there and we watched him. And while we were kind of talking, trying to talk softly. He said, Mommy, I don't feel good. And he broke out in a sweat. And then he started literally convulsing. And I was afraid because I had never seen a child convulse like that with a fever. And I took his temperature again, and it was 105. So I gave him the remedy. Within 30 minutes, it was 105. And I called my homeopath. I said, Oh my gosh, this is what's happening. He says, Good, it's working. Give him another dose. So I did, and then he told me also to put the pickle socks on his feet. And I said, what are you talking about? And that's, I talk about that in my homeopathy for mommy's book, the pickle socks. What it does is you, you soak the, the white cotton socks in pickle juice, preferably kosher, in other words, with garlic. And you just wring it out just enough so that they're not dripping. You put them on the feet, and then you put real wool socks over the top of these cotton socks. Because wool wicks, so what that wool does is it triggers the body, it starts pulling the heat from the body. Now, mind you, when a child has a really high fever, 105, 106, and don't get too alarmed, okay, as far as those high fevers, because that's the body's severe reaction to what's going on inside, and it's trying to fight it. People with a really high fever tend to have a really strong vitality, okay? So, but you'll have to change those pickle socks because they'll dry right out within 15, 20 minutes. Those socks can dry out very quickly in a high fever. So re-soak them, and reapply. And it, like I say, it'll work to draw the heat out of the body. But this belladonna, I had given it to him. He fell asleep. I kept changing the pickle socks. And then we just sat and watched my son sleep for two hours. And we'd gone to get a cup of coffee in the kitchen. And I heard him. And he says, Mommy, Mommy, I can move my head. Mind you, two hours later, he tried to sit up on the couch and say, Mommy, I can move my head. And he was looking for me. And which was incredible because he was, he didn't even want to move his head or his neck or anything like that when he was super ill. And I gave him another dose of belladonna and I gave him something to drink. And it was all I could do to keep the kid on the, on the couch for two days to, while he got better. It was so incredible. My husband came home from work that night and I said, oh my goodness, you're not going to believe this. But he had, he's had, men, he's had meningitis. He looked at me and says, he did not. I said, yes, he did. You, you missed all his symptoms. <laughs> he would not believe me, okay? He just thought I was loopy. Anyway, two weeks later, and I've, like I say, I've told the story, so please bear with me. But when he came home, he walked in the door one night, and I, I, I just looked at him. I says, what's the matter? I just knew someone had died because he just looked deathly gray. And I said, what's going on? And he said, honey, you're not going to believe this. The guys at work told me this news, it wasn't on the radio or in the newspaper or on TV or anything. He says, but the school district has been closed and from a viral meningitis outbreak and two boys have died. Okay, two boys died from a viral meningitis outbreak. Not newsworthy information at all. And 
I told him, I said, see, I told you. And he realized at that moment that if I would have taken our son in with his viral meningitis, antibiotics can't touch viral meningitis. There's nothing the doctors could have done. They would have stuck him with all sorts of needles. They would have put him on high doses of antibiotics, and that would have dropped his immune system. Would he have been able to fight that? Who knows? So here in two hours' time, my son literally got better from having used belladonna, and I only used belladonna, and just external aids to help his body fight the fever. So it's so important not to suppress that fever. Let the body use it to fight what's going on. Like I said, with belladonna, there's a few keynotes that are very, very important to understand. And first of all, belladonna is from the family of Silanciaceae plants. And those plants, some of the plants that are in that family are belladonna and stramonium. Stramonium is jimson weed. Many of you know that is a, a weed that really helps to fight poison ivy. If you apply this weed or rub this weed on the poison ivy, it will help to get rid of the itch and the sting of poison ivy. And belladonna is deadly nightshade. And it's kind of funny because in the allopathic attempt to destroy homeopathy, they knew belladonna worked because Hahnemann had cured an outbreak of scarlet fever with belladonna because what did it do? It was scarlet fever was a virus that had was in communities and he would use belladonna to interrupt that virus and then people would get better. He actually used it homeoprophylactically to warn the give it to the people in, a, in an attempt to warn the body that this was coming down the pike and he literally stopped the epidemic in its tracks. So belladonna is amazing when there's a virus in the area. And like I say, I like to take aconite and belladonna because aconite touches the fear. Belladonna interrupts the virus. But these remedies are used acutely. In other words, with, when there's belladonna, a belladonna picture, belladonna is always violent, sudden, splitting, bursting, explosive, spasmodic, jerking, shooting, apoplexy. You know, when you have a people call like a stroke, a pop, they call it aneurysm, but aneurysm is actually the distended venous system. Apoplexy is when it actually bursts, and that's when you end up with the stroke or other hemorrhagic issues like that. But the belladonna theme is very violent, and the belladonna child, his fever will come on very quickly. The fever may fall for during the day, but it never falls all the way back to normal. It'll always be slightly above normal. So it's, that's called a remittent fever. So that's the belladonna fever. So he can, he can, it can come on very, very quickly. A belladonna fever never comes on slowly. So like a belladonna child, you'll notice, the first thing you'll notice, he might be a little bit giddy. He might be a little bit flushed. His eyes will become beautiful, okay? Very dilated, very glassy looking, very bright. That's that's what we call the belladonna state just prior to him getting ill. And like I said, and then when he does get ill, the fever will be very high very quickly. And he tends to have, like I say, those bright red eyes. There is a difference between the belladonna fever and the stramonium fever. And this isn't something that I understood when I was younger, but the stramonium fever, which is in the same family of plants, and it's in the same acute illness category, is the stramonium. And stramonium will have a continued high fever with delirium. The fever can be so high that you can think it's a belladonna fever. The difference is that it will come on slowly, more slowly, because you have the ferrum fever, which comes on gradually and slowly, but it won't be as high. Okay, so we have the ferrum, 
slowly coming on, not quite as high as the stramonium or the belladonna. The stramonium comes on slowly, belladonna comes on quickly. So in the stramonium fever, this fever can be, like say, so high, there can be delirium, and it can be extremely intense. And it can have all the symptoms of belladonna too. You can have the redness, but you don't have the intensity as in the belladonna. So things like typhoid and other viral diseases, think of the stramonium. Belladonna addresses things that, like I say, it's the great viral interrupter. And if you look in the homeopathy for mommy's book, the, the language is going to be sudden and violent. I have a, a grandson that every time I see him, he gets, he'll, he'll come over and he'll have one red hot cheek and his eyes will be really dilated. And I know he's just really, really excited because he's there and he's playing with the other cousins. And I'll say, sweetie, why don't you go take a dose of Belladonna? Okay, grandma. And when he does that, Instantly, the redness goes from his cheeks and his eyes tone down. It's a very excited state. I actually had a, a case of high blood pressure at one time, and the remedy was belladonna. The intensity was so incredible that there were times that they could taste blood. Because with belladonna, what happens is it, it expands and dilates all the venous system of the body. And it's very suitable to what they call plethoric, congested, hemorrhagic type situations. And so belladonna was amazing for getting that situation under control. For people who have stones like gallstones or kidney stones, belladonna is amazing because it can actually take, clinically, it is stated that belladonna can take a normal sphincter and a sphincter is a, is a duct that travels from, directly from the organ into the bloodstream so that it can secrete like the hormones or the bile into the into the bloodstream and belladonna can open those sphincters from four millimeters to 10 millimeters to pass those stones easily and without pain. I had a gentleman one time, I'm not kidding you, it's just the most incredibly amazing story and he was so patient and he was so willing to use homeopathy. Uh, his wife called and had me talk to him and I said, sir, you know what? Belladonna 30X. And all they had was a 30C. I said, perfect, use it. So took the 30C, Belladonna 30C, and over the course of the next 12 hours, that man passed all the way to the, the opening of the body. He ended up having to go into the doctor. He could feel it. He could clink it with a, an object, a, just a, a small, hard object. He had to go into the doctor for the final extraction, but he passed a kidney stone that was a half an inch long and shaped like a football. And it was just so incredible. And he said it was amazing. The doctor could not believe he was able to pass that, that kidney stone. And like I said, the doctor did fin finish extracting this kidney stone. So it was, it was absolutely amazing. Belladonna opens the sphincters. It dilates the venous system of the body. That's why when, when you have this dilation of the eyes, the, the red, ruddy, complexion, they are in need of this remedy because it's going to act in the opposite. It's going to bring the body back to its balance, back to its normal state. And such as when you need it to dilate, you take the remedy and it will dilate. It will do what needs to be done for the venous system of the body and the sphincters. It is absolutely amazing. And I had a young lady call me one time and she was pretty sure that her daughter had appendicitis, all the symptoms, just crying, 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 holding her tummy. And I, and she was actually running a fever at this point. And I says, how long has she been running the fever? She goes, well, I don't know. She's been crying for a couple of days and the, she's just getting a low grade fever now. And I, I'm thinking this is not a belladonna state. 
But in order to be sure, she wanted to take her into the emergency room. And I said, okay, put the child down on her back and just between the belly button and the pubic bone, put your hands very gently, put one hand on top of the other very gently in the middle, and then move it to the right side of her body. And then press very, very gently so that your hands are flat and you're not poking anything, but press very, very gently into the body so that you meet just firm pressure and then release very quickly. If the child screams mercifully, then there's the chance that there's definitely inflammation in that area of the body. And then you think of appendix. If they don't scream when release, the chances are that they do not have appendicitis because if there was inflammation, that would be extremely painful to release that pressure quickly. So that's a pretty tried and true test to see if the child has appendicitis. And she's like, really? Okay. Well, she did this and the child did not scream from the release of pressure. And I says, well, then you have time to play. Okay. I says, don't discount it. Don't ever discount it because no test is foolproof, but you have time to try and figure this out. He says, okay, let's go back and see what's been going on in the child's life. Anyway, through the course of our conversation, I said, when was the last time she had a ball movement? So she asked the child who was like seven. She couldn't remember. I said, bingo, let's try Illumina. (laughs) So anyways, it turned out the child was constipated, but she was so constipated that she had severe you know, pain and she was actually developing a fever from the pain. And so, you know, children can run fevers for a number of reasons. And we don't even think about the fact that just even emotion can cause a child to run a fever. I had, when when one of my, my son was like three years old and my next child was born, I was a little girl and he was a mama's boy. Okay. And so everybody's at the hospital when the baby's born and they come in and the nurse is in there showing everyone the baby and, and he's just sitting on his daddy's lap in the corner, just kind of a little frown on his face. And um, the nurse goes to take the baby out because they had to run some tests. And he goes, oh, bye-bye, baby. And my husband says, oh, no, no, honey, they're going to bring baby back in a minute. And he just, just sunk into his father's lap. When we got home from the hospital the next day, my son ran a fever. I kid you not, of 104 for three days. He had no other symptoms, nothing. He just sat in my lap for three days. I didn't even get to hold my new baby except when it was time for to nurse her. And he was just so distraught that he had to share his mommy. And many, many children can be like that. It's, you know, don't discount fever from emotion. Look what's going on in their life. So anyway, the Belladonna fever is always acute. As I say, I, would, I actually did give my son Belladonna in an attempt to figure out what was going on because his fever came on so quickly that, uh, oh, you know, <laughs> oh, let's just see what's going on here. But he was the only one in the house that was ill. And I'm like, oh, he's super sensitive. You know, that could be it. But with the Belladonna state, like I say, there's always violence as far as how quickly things come on, the heat and the inflammation. The inflammation is very organic. And it's kind of funny because uh, John H. Clark writes, I actually have to read this because it's, it's actually too funny. He says, Belladonna acts primarily on the brain and very acutely, Testy very acutely explains the diversity of its action on men and animals by suggesting that it acts with an intensity proportionate to the brain development. On goats and rabbits, it has absolutely no poisonous effects whatsoever. (laughs) On carnivorous animals, it acts with moderate intensity. On man, it acts with highest intensity. But on idiots, 
as Hufland mentions, it has no more action than it has on some carnivore. So it it's really, really funny the way they describe it. But belladonna, anyway, as I started to say, in the allopathic world of medicine, in an attempt to use belladonna, they actually came up with belladonna bricks. Okay, so you have to remember that the first hospital in the United States was a homeopathic hospital. But there's no money in homeopathy because you can't patent what it is in its natural state. So here we have belladonna. All they did was tincture it and dilute it and succuss it between dilutions to make it like so there's literally no substance left in this this remedy except for that the body actually reads innately the original energy of the plant itself. So it can't be patented. It's just, it's natural. So the um, allopathic doctors knew belladonna worked because they had seen it in these hospitals. And so what do they do? They, t- they, they take the belladonna. Well, you can't take the belladonna internally because you would die. You would develop all the symptoms of high fever, dilation, hemorrhagic in the sense that, that inflammatory state, and you would die, okay? But they knew that it worked. So they took, they made what the, the compressed bricks of belladonna, and they would place it on the chest and the back in an attempt to cure pleurisy and other ailments like that when there was inflammation of the body. And my grandma had told me that because her dad, we used to use the belladonna bricks for his pleurisy. And so when my daughter, who was six months old, there was a really, really bad flu going through the house. And I look back now and I probably should have used stramonium, but the fever did come on very quickly and it was remittent, but I could have tried the stramonium um, because my daughter was, she was only six months old and she became so ill. I guess the, the child just ahead of her had the flu and it lasted for four days and he would, but he could talk to me. He was three years old. He could talk to me. He could tell me all the symptoms and there was really no other symptoms except the high fever and um, yeah, maybe a little bit of delirium, you know, saying kind of silly things and just very, very, very ill. Okay. But I, I, we walked through this illness with him and he was, he was just fine. I gave him grape juice and mineral water alternating with just plain water. And we kept him hydrated and he, he did just fine. But then when the six month old baby got it, I thought, this is strange. Babies don't get this sick. And I sat awake with this child in the middle of the night and her fever actually did climb to 106 at times. And she was so ill and she was so she didn't want a nurse. And so I basically force fed, you know, force drink, made her drink. I used a syringe and eyedroppers. And I, every half hour, she was getting a couple teaspoons of either grape juice and, and or water. And finally, after four days, I said to my husband, I'm taking her in. I am so scared. I said, I just want to make sure her fever was actually coming down. It was 101 during the day at that point, but I took her in. I just, I needed to make sure that there was nothing secondary going on. And I took her to the doctor and he's like, what has been going on? And I told him, and he says, what have you been giving this child? And I said, I told him, I says, basically just belladonna. And then every half hour giving her water or grape juice because she's too, too weak to nurse. And I was trying to give her a bottle. She didn't want that either. And I was kind of a wimpy mom. I wasn't very successful at pumping. Well, back then we didn't have all the fancy, you know, electric pumps. Anyway, this doc, he just looked at me. He says, Belladonna, I haven't heard of that in years. And I says, oh, no, 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 doc. I says, it's um, the homeopathic Belladonna. And he says, okay. He says, you know, 
she is an amazing condition. He says, she's not dehydrated. And but how high has her fever been? And I told him, and he says, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. He says, her ear is slightly inflamed, but it's not infected. He says, I could put her on antibiotics if you want. And I said, no, 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 that's okay. I just wanted to make sure there was nothing bad going on. He says, no, I would say the inflammation is just from the high fever, but it's, it's, if you, she's doing great, just take her home and keep doing whatever you're doing. But it was my peace of mind to know that there was nothing else bad going on. And so like I say, that was when I just really, I was just starting to use homeopathy pretty much full time. And that child, I was the first one I hadn't immunized. And even to this day, after her severe head injury and everything, she's still never been on antibiotics or anything like that. Um, no Tylenol, no anything. <laughs> so I feel very blessed that we were led in this direction and, 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 I'm not saying it was like overnight. We didn't learn everything quickly, but we were handed different illnesses in a way that we were able to walk through them. And we had good people, like I say, that really helped us to, hey, it's okay. You know, don't worry about it. Just give this remedy and it's, you're going to be better. But belladonna is the kind of, is, like I say, you, the things you have to remember about belladonna is just simply that it's the fever comes on quickly and even if you have a belladonna headache, like I say, we talked about that brain inflammation. The brain inflammation is, is always a throbbing sensation. And they might say, if it's a child, they might say, beating in my head, pounding in my head, throbbing. And when, if they say, it just hurts, it aches, you know, understand, say, okay, honey, what's it like? You know, and they'll say, I don't know, mommy, like somebody's hammering. You know, and that's a really big one because little kids like to hammer and that's a sensation that they understand. So, you know, when you hear that, just go ahead and give the remedy. Belladonna is, um, in fact, is my daughter's new horse. I told her, I says, okay, he always a wonderful horse and so smart, so, so smart. And but there's, there's just something about him. And I told her, I says, I suspect that he's, you know, maybe had some brain inflammation at one time. And I says, and he's not, because he's so hypersensitive to everything. We rode him north. We had to, it was like a 35 mile trip that we had to, <laughs> to go. So my two grandsons and myself and my daughter, my daughter and I took turns riding the horse and riding, because I ride a three wheel trike. It's kind of fun, but we would take turns riding that and then riding the horse. And the two grandsons, they were our, you know, our little cheerleading section. <laughs> no, it, was, it was fun. But the thing is, is when the horse, I was, I was on the horse, and when one of the bikes would go to swing around and go around the horse, he would blow like that. And that's exactly what my horse had done when he had West Nile. And I don't think he ever would have gotten over that had I not put him on a regiment of Belladonna for a continued period of time because Belladonna was the cure for West Nile. But he still continued to blow whenever he was nervous because what happens is the brain, the sensorium of the brain, the inflammation never completely goes all the way down. Like I said, when I had the meningitis, I, my, I still had to wear sunglasses and I still had um, noise sensitivities. And then when I took the, a course of Belladonna for afterwards, when I found out about it, it almost completely got rid of that hypersensitivity in my eyes and my ears. But it wasn't until I took the meningitis nose out years later in a 30C that I, oh, and it hit me in the head. It hurt so bad. I put it in water and I diluted it down. And I actually went to the fourth dilution, okay? That's another story. I think we've talked about that somewhere. But the fourth dilution is you just take the remedy in one cup of water. You succuss it. You dump it all up at one teaspoon. You fill it back up to one cup. Succuss it again. Pour it up all, all out but one teaspoon. Fill it back up to one cup. Succuss it again. Pour it all out but one teaspoon. 
fill it up to one cup, that's fourth dilution. And I take one teaspoon doses of that every five to 15 minutes until the intensity of the action of a remedy slows down. And so this meningitis, I took it in a 30C and it hit me in the head. I Oh, I just dropped to my knees on the floor. And it's like, oh my gosh, somebody fixed me a fourth dilution. So they went and got it. And I started taking it. And I sat there in the middle of the living room. And I took one teaspoon doses every five minutes. And after about four doses, oh, the pain finally went away. And I kid you not, the inflammation in my brain was so much better from that point on. I can't even describe the difference. The kids, I'm able to actually take the noise of the kids running around the house and being crazy. And because it, it, it works, because it just really works. That body was having a hard time getting over the hump of that original disease. And it was, it was like suppressed because of all the antibiotics I had been on. So once I took that remedy, I was better. And so I get, as I told my daughter, I says, who knows what this horse has had? You know, what did they do to him? So I says, let's just put him on a regimen of the belladonna. And then we're going to, we'll go ahead and we can give him a dose of meningitis or, you know, West Nile or encephalitis or something like that, depending on how he does on the belladonna. So I thought he was actually acting better after a couple of doses, but he still likes to blow. And when a horse blows, it's like a deer. If you've ever been out hunting, <laughs> it's kind of a surprise when the deer sees you first because you'll be sitting there twiddling your thumbs, looking around, you know, and all of a sudden you'll hear, and you know, oh, shoot. <laughs> so in other words, you weren't sitting still enough and the deer seen you. And that's his way of warning because he's so hypersensitive to all the, his surroundings, that that's the way he, he startled and he, that's his warning blow. And that's what this horse was doing. So anyway, Belladonna really helps in a situation like that as well. Okay, what else can we say about Belladonna? Besides the fact that it's a fantastic inflammation remedy, helps to dilate the sphincters. You can always use Belladonna for that type of situation. Okay, well, like I said, I... Um, I think we've pretty much covered as much as we need to cover here when it comes to belladonna. You understand the fact, oh, and the skin can be, like say, warm, you know, like that heat and that redness of, you know, the whole, the whole body with that, that virus. And like I said, just, and don't panic. When you give belladonna, if a child is sick and like say their fever increases, don't panic. That just means it's working. It's interrupting that fever. It's like the time that when my horse did have West Nile, when it went through that area, I had asked my, my homeopath, okay, what if our horses get West Nile? He goes, oh, Sue, don't worry about it. I think it's just all media hype. I says, well, just what, what would it be? So he did the research. He said, well, Belladonna, because it's, it's a virus. So you'll just go ahead and, and, and give the remedy. So sure enough, I got on my horse one day. I had a little kid in front of me, and the horse wouldn't go. And I kicked him and kicked him. Come on, Winston. And he stumbled forward, and his nose just literally just hung. He just dropped his head. I'm going to jump off the horse. I said, oh my goodness. So I knew it was, I knew it was West now. And I took my daughter down and I told the kids, run in the house and get the belladonna. And we started giving it to him. And I went and called my vet, my friend who worked for the vet. And I said, my horse has, belladonna, has West Nile. And I've got him on belladonna. I, can you come and check on him? So she came out and it took her about an hour and a half to get there. And by that time I had the horse in the barn and he was just standing perfectly still. He had his nose resting in the feed box and he had his his back hoof up, so in the resting position. And I had started giving him the belladonna. I'd given him three or four doses before she got there. And by the time she got there, he was so standing so still that every hair on his body literally had a droplet of sweat on the end of its hair. He was just glowing with mist. And she's like, oh my gosh. I said, 
don't worry. It just means the belladonna is working. It's interrupting the virus. And she said, what are you talking about? And I said, just trust me on this. I said, all I want you to do is just check them over and, you know, maybe give them fluids because, because, you know. So anyway, so she said, well, first of all, let's just draw blood, see what we're, you see if we're really dealing with West Nile or what we're dealing with. So she drew the blood and then she proceeded to give him some fluids. And anyway, that's all she could do for him. That's all I would let her do for him. And... Sure enough, the blood test came back that he did have West Nile. And he was in that pen for four days. He slowly just started getting better. He, it was a couple of days. He was off feed for a couple of days. But he did drink the next day, and a little bit, not much. And like I say, after four days, I was able to turn him back out to the pasture. And then I kept him on a regiment of Belladonna, well, every day. I gave him a dose until he stopped blowing. Because he, would, he was real, oh, he was such a lovely, friendly horse. But he would be standing there and all of a sudden he'd just jerk and he'd blow because something would have startled him and upset him. So until he quit doing that, I continued to give him a, a dose of belladonna. And at that time, I, I don't remember if I was giving him 30X or 30C. I was using 30X a lot back then. I hardly ever had a 30C on hand, so it was probably just the 30X. If I would have been able to give him a 30C, I could have just given it every few days. Um, but yeah, he pulled right out of it. Like I said, I... I tell the story that when he, uh, when we did finally have to sell him, I was really sad because he was he was kind of my baby, but we had to get rid of a few horses, and so we took him to the sale barn, and this was a really prestigious sale barn, one of the best in the upper Northwest and I uh, upper Midwest, and I was bound to determine that whoever bought him, I would tell them that he had West Nile, and that he was completely healed, but the. It was in his history and that he would never have to worry about it again and so on and so forth. Well, anyway, he was one of the top-selling horses in the sale barn that day. And the gentleman that bought him came up. He was so proud. He says, I got the best horse in the barn today. And I says, oh, you did. He's such a sweet horse. And I was getting ready to tell him <laughs> about the fact that my horse had West Nile. And he said, yeah. He says, my friend wanted to make sure that she got a good horse. He said, so she sent me to pick out this perfect horse, make sure the horse wasn't on drugs or anything, because a lot of times they'll actually drug a horse so that they display well in the arena. And he said, so she sent me because I'm a veterinarian. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, uh, so needless to say, I did not tell him that the horse had West Nile, because there's no way he would have believed me, and he would have been distraught to find out that he didn't get this perfect horse. But in my mind, he was perfect, because he was a healed horse. You know, because when we heal from things naturally, we have a stronger immune system, a stronger countenance. And so he did pick out the best horse in the sale barn that day. <laughs> anyway, on that note, I just want to encourage all of you to get your kits on hand, have these remedies so that when your family is ill, you can just go ahead and give the appropriate remedy and feel good about it and not be afraid. All right, with that, I'll let you go. May God bless you and yours. Thanks for listening to this episode of Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Please visit Sue on her website, homeopathyformommies.com, and join us right here at homeopathyformommiesradio.com, Wednesday, noon Eastern. As always, we pray the Lord blesses you with good health, vitality, strength, and wisdom.